0: Identity. We talked about who's your daddy. Who do you let set your identity? Do you let other people? Do you let the culture of the world? You know, as believers, we allow God to establish our identity. And the Bible says that we are brand new. We have a brand new identity in Christ Jesus. Our sins are forgiven. We're made sons and daughters of the Most High God. And we said that from now on, we're going to let God through His Word, set the parameters for our identity. Isn't that right? Last week, we talked about ability. You know, so many times, our our, our abilities or what we perceive a lack of abilities tend to limit us. But here's the thing. God is our ability. And we talked about how that if we allow God's Word and God's faith to rise up in us and not let, again, other people say what we can or we can't do, then all of a sudden our potential in God begins to rise up in us, and we find out that where we thought there was a lack of ability, we find God coming into that place, and now all of a sudden we have an ability that we did not know. We have a strength that we did not know. And so I encourage you, I think we're putting those up on our podcast, but you you should go back and... uh, Uh, And uh, listen to those lessons if you haven't heard them, uh, because they will help you. And we're going to hook up on that today. We're going to talk about, we talked about identity, ability. Today we're going to talk about vulnerability. Vulnerability. Now I know, you know, we've probably all seen the bumper sticker. You've seen this, you know, life is fragile, handle with prayer. You ever seen that one? Well, there's a lot of truth to that though, isn't it? Life is indeed fragile, just like Brother Rick testified. When you get up one day, everything is quote-unquote normal. But you get up one day, and all of a sudden, it's not normal anymore because, what, an evil report or something happens. Now, the word vulnerable just means capable or susceptible to being hurt, to being wounded or hurt. And so we all are living in various degrees of vulnerability. And sometimes that can be kind of uneasy, can it? When you realize that you're vulnerable, sometimes even frightening. Well, we know how quick life can change. But the good news is that no matter that if we have been wounded, whether in our body or whether in relationships or in some other way we've been wounded, the good news is there's healing for you. There's healing for me. And I put it this way. Jesus is scarred, but no longer wounded. He was wounded for our transgression, wasn't he? He was bruised for our iniquities, but he is scarred. If you were to see Jesus now, you would see the scars, but no wounds. And I believe that God wants us to live our life as believers. We may have some scars, but no longer wounded. So the question is, that I want to try to answer today is can we live our life so that it presents itself as open and vulnerable even though we've been wounded? Even though we've been wounded. I want to read out of Ruth, the book of Ruth, chapter 1. Real quickly this morning. Ruth chapter 1. We're going to start with verse 1, read a few verses here. It says, In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Maon and Kilion. They were Ephra- Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and went to Moab and lived there. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married two Moabite women named Oprah, or Orpah, Oprah, slip of the tongue, Orpa, and, uh, and another one named Ruth. And they lived there about ten years, and then Maon and Kilion were di- They also died. Boy, you talk about life happening. Her husband died, now her two sons have died. That's kind of tough, isn't it? And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. I'd say that was a wound, wasn't it? There was a wound. Now, for the sake of time, I'm going to move forward. We're going to look down in verse 19. She decides to go back to her hometown of Bethlehem. The two sister, to two daughter-in-laws initially decide to go back with her. Now we pick it up in verse 19. It says, "So the the, the two women. This was after one of the one of the." Uh, Daughters in law went back, but you know the story of Ruth. She said, No, she says, I'm going to go with you. Your, your dwelling place is my dwelling place. Your God's going to be my God. You know the story. So it says in verse 19, the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and they said, Can this be Naomi? Now I want you to notice something here in verse 20. She says, Don't call me Naomi. Now you know what Naomi means? Pleasant. Pleasant. She says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. Mara means bitter. Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. And you know, there are a lot of people that are living in that place where Naomi found herself. They've been wounded in life. Might be through relationships. A lot of times, you know, we get hurt, we get wounded in relationships. Maybe a family member. It might, might have been maybe a marriage went sour, whatever it may be, a relationship, a close friendship that you had, you felt a betrayal, you felt there was a hurt there, and you were wounded in a relationship. You felt rejected. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You feel rejection there. There's a loss. Maybe maybe the loss of a loved one, the loss of a spouse or a child, just like a uh, Ruth or Naomi had that happen to her. Maybe that's happened to you. Maybe there's been a loss there. And so, in these different ways, there's come a rejection in your life, a hurt and a woundedness in a relationship there. And you are feeling just like Naomi did. Don't call me pleasant and happy anymore. Don't come singing and telling me all about the joys of this Christian life. I'm bitter. I'm wounded. I'm hurt. You don't know what's happened to me, how it's hurt me. I feel rejected. I've had a great loss in my life. I don't want to smile anymore. Life's not happy anymore. I'm telling you, I'm bitter. Life is bad. Wounded in a relationship. It happens all the time to people, even to Christians, doesn't it? Or maybe it's a disappointment. Maybe you're wounded through your expectations. Maybe life hasn't been everything you wanted it to be, everything you expected it to be. You started out, you had great dreams, you had great hopes, you had great desires. that life was going to be so full of adventure, so full of good things, and you're disappointed. It didn't turn out the way you thought it would. Maybe you've had some setbacks. Maybe you've had some failures. Maybe there's been disappointments. Maybe people that you you looked up to, maybe they disappointed you. And you were wounded by those disappointments and those failed expectations. And so now you're feeling bitter. You're feeling bitter. Or maybe you're wounded because there's a, a lingering sickness, just like Rick had an attack in your body. Or a loved one was attacked. With cancer or some other debilitating sickness, and you battled and you battled and you believed and you prayed and you battled, and it doesn't look like you're making progress. It looks dark, it looks hard, it looks like it's inevitable that that you're not going to make it. And so, there is a woundedness. I like to call these the bruises of Satan. In Genesis 3, turn over there a moment, very interesting. Inside here, you know, after Adam and Eve had sinned, had disobeyed God, God came to them and he he said shared some things with them. And in the process of time, in verse sixteen, he said this to the woman. He said, "I will greatly increase uh, you in childbearing." Or, or let's let's back up to uh, yeah, verse. Well, well, verse 15, let's back up. He said, I will put enmity between you, he's speaking to the serpent here now, and the woman in between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And so I call these things that I've talked about this morning, whether it's uh, rejection, wounded in relationships, disappointments, a sickness or a maladies, attacked our body or our mind, I call these the bruises of Satan. Because how many of you know we have an enemy? Isn't that true? In Ephesians, the Apostle Paul tells us in chapter 6 there, he says, For we do not wage a war against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers. He goes on to talk about it, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, all those forces. It is the enemy that brings attacks against us. Now, they may be, revealed or manifested in relationships and disappointments, sometimes in sicknesses in our body. But whatever the case is, it is the bruises of Satan. And his desire is not only to destroy you, but to cause you to be bitter. Now, you all know I shared uh, uh, at different times about, you know, I grew up in the country. Uh, I grew up like little house on the prairie. You know, we had a well out in the... Uh, you know, out in the yard, and you had to let down the bucket and draw up the well. And I've shared that with you. But you know, from time to time, on occasions, something would get in the well. You know, we used to keep a cover over it, but you know how kids are. We we didn't always put the cover back on like we were supposed to. So some, sometimes something, especially if it was an animal, would get in the well. Of course, couldn't get out, so it would drown. And of course, as it stayed there and began to decay, it fouled. The waters. And so what was once refreshing and sweet waters, man, when you drew that water up, oh, you almost gagged. Now, didn't Jesus say to us who are Christians, who are believers, that there would be in us a wellspring of water springing up? Isn't that what he said over in John's gospel? But what happens is when the bruises of Satan Strike our personage, whether it's 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 in rejection, whether it's in de- disappointments, whether it's in uh, you know sickness that attacks our bodies. Many times, what happens is is the waters get polluted, and we are like Naomi. All of a sudden, instead of fresh water coming out, now there are bitter waters. And what is happening now? We're drinking the bitter waters. And when people get around us, what are they drinking from our life? Bitter waters. You ever been around somebody that was drinking bitter waters? Oh, Oh, you feel so sorry for them, don't you? I mean, you, 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 you see it on their face. You see the pain, the disappointment. You see the hurt, don't you? You hear it in their words. You see it in their attitudes. And we're not being, I'm not being critical. We're not out to being critical of people. I'm telling you, if you've never been attacked like that, I mean, you know. So we're not being critical, but I'm telling you, drinking bitter waters, you know, God did not call us to drink bitter waters, did he? We're to drink the waters of life. Now, when we are wounded and we begin to see the waters that were supposed to be life-giving and sweet, they begin to be polluted how do they, What are some of the ways we look at these drinking bitter waters? Number one is isolation. When we've been wounded in relationships, especially in rejection or loss, we tend to want to draw back in human, in human nature. If we don't receive a healing, we tend to draw back and we begin to isolate. We begin to build walls between us and other people. Why? Because we don't want to be hurt anymore. I don't want to feel that loss. I don't want to feel that rejection. So I'm, you know, I'm building a wall, but when we build a wall, we, we become isolated because any wall I build to keep you out is a wall that also shuts me in. That's right. That's right. Amen. And so I become isolated and without healing, we're gonna live wounded lives and drink bitter waters. And we will find ourselves drawing back. I believe this with all my heart. There's so many wounded believers out there that are no longer in church anywhere. And they have become isolated. You know, maybe because they were hurt and wounded in church. I hate to have to report that, but I have to tell you the truth. You know, that should be the last place anybody gets wounded should be in church. Unfortunately, it happens too often, doesn't it? Oh, surely we can be accepting and loving and forgiving in church as the people of God. Surely we can. Name me a sin God can't forgive. I don't hear any. Then why, why can't we forgive it? Isolation is one of these bitter, bitter waters. And another one is stagnation. What do I mean by stagnation? It's a lack of development, advancement, or movement. We see this in people all the time, don't we? They've been hurt. They, they, they've stopped growing and developing emotionally. They're still at that place where they were hurt. They're still at that place where they received the wound. because they've drawn back they haven't they haven't grown any further they can't go any further now you know there there are special places in the natural that that they call them wound clinics that deal with wounds whether they're surgical or otherwise that for whatever reason are, are that you know they're not healing like they should and when a wound doesn't heal as it should when it stays open too longer it you know you're susceptible to infection getting in your body aren't you and that infection can spread throughout your body and if and if something's not done to take care of it you can even that member might have to be amputated and so so many people have been wounded and are wounded both in and outside the body of Christ and and, the, and they're they're stagnated they haven't grown spiritually they haven't grown emotionally and and you know and They're just going around with that that open wound on them, and they're drinking bitter waters, and it's poisoning all of their body. And then another one of these bitter waters is resignation. In other words, they've just come to accept, this is my lot in life. This is just the way it is, Pastor. You know, I mean, I know other people... They can have, you know, a good marriage, but, you know, this wasn't in the cards for me. I know other people have been healed. I know Rick, Brother Rick was healed, but, you know, it's just not in the cards for me. Resignation is a sign of hopelessness. I'm just resigned. I'm not struggling. I'm not fighting. I'm not doing anything. I'm just, a, you know, I'm like a, a, a leaf on a stream. Just let it carry me where it will. And again, We're not being critical of people. But these are drinking bitter waters. If you're in a place of isolationism or stagnation or resignation, listen, you're drinking bitter waters. You're living a wounded life. But I've got good news for you. God doesn't want us to be wounded travelers. He doesn't want us to be wounded travelers. He wants us to be whole. Now, we all probably remember the story of the Good Samaritan, don't we? You know, there was a certain man, Jesus gave the, the, the parable. We won't turn over there. You can read it in Luke 10. But it says, A man went down, you know, uh, from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among thieves. Well, what is the enemy called? He's a thief and a robber, isn't he? He was wounded. He was stripped. Everything he had. He was left in the ditch half dead. It says, A priest came by and passed on the other side. Well, you know, in that day, a priest had to be, was very cautious and careful about touching anything unclean. Now, in the body of Christ, sometimes I think we are so caught up with our own self-righteousness that we can't possibly reach out to a wounded person somebody who's been damaged, somebody who's been hurt in life. Oh, we don't want to be seen with them. What will people think? I might lose my reputation. Come on. We don't want to reach out to the prostitute. We don't want to reach out to the alcoholic. We don't want to reach out to the people because after all, I mean, you know, I mean, probably wouldn't do any good anyway. Come on. It says the priest went by. Why? He didn't want to become... Oh, I can't... Oh, I don't want to get my hands dirty. Then it says a Levite went by. Now, Levites, they had a little bit different function in the temple than the priest. But the Levite, they were busy, you know, taking care of God's house. You know, isn't it interesting? As Christians, sometimes we can get so busy with our religious stuff that we don't have time... We're too busy, we're so preoccupied that we can't see the wounded all around us. But then here comes along what we would call, uh, at least in their day, they would call an unsaved person, a Samaritan. Now in their day, if you wanted to insult a, a, a Jewish person to the highest degree, you called him a Samaritan. I mean, they were... You, you talk about the pecking order, they were on the bottom rung of the pecking order. Nobody's gonna be as found associating with a sm- I ain't having no friends called sinners. And have nothing to do with them. Come on. But notice who was it that stopped to help the man? The Samaritan. In the body of Christ, you know let's be careful and i promise you here at passion church we're not going to shoot the wounded Amen. you know in the marines and other armed services too they have a, a mantra no man left behind and it says the samaritan poured in the oil and the wine he he set him on his own donkey he took him to the inn. he paid for he did whatever to. now listen And Jesus went on to say, now, who acted in compassion? Who acted as a neighbor? It was a Samaritan, wasn't it? See, we don't shoot our wounded. We reach out to help those who are hurting. Let's don't get so caught up in our own stuff and doing our own thing all the time that we're so busy that we, you know, like Jesus said to the Pharisees, we strain in a gnat and we swallow the camel. God has called us to reach out to the hurting, the broken, the wounded in life. Isn't that right? But you know, it starts with us. We have to become whole ourselves. And if you're feeling wounded, if you're feeling rejected and hurt, and you've isolated yourself and you've separated yourself, i got news for you this morning. Listen. God has healing for you. God has restoration for you. He wants to start with you. He wants to pour the oil and the wine of recovery into you. And then he wants us who are scarred but no longer wounded to be able to go out and reach out to those who are hurting and broken and pour the oil and the wine that was poured into us, pour it into them. That's what he's called us to do. Isn't that true? Surely that's true. Otherwise, what have we become in in Christianity? What has it become? We've made it a religion. We've made it a club. We've made it a society. We've made it all kind of things except what it was meant to be. And see, here's the thing. Scarred but not wounded means this. You know, if you've got a scar, maybe, you know, I've got some little ones here, but maybe, maybe even if you've had surgery, you've recovered from that properly. You have a scar there, but you know, you can touch that scar. It's not the least bit sensitive. But if you're wounded, I don't want to get around anybody in case they bump into my wound. And so many times, wounded people get bumped into and they react as if the wound was all fresh in you because it never was healed. That's right. They weren't wounded again. Somebody bumped into the wound, that never was healed. That never was restored. You hear a word. Somebody does an innocent action, it bumps into your wound, and all of a sudden, that's it. I believe that's why we have so many people going from church to church to church to church. To Get healed. You may have a scar, but you won't have a wound. Scarred, but not wounded. You know, Jesus has scars, but no wounds. He was wounded, but now he's whole. Yeah, you'll be able to see his scars, but not any wounds. Scars, but not wounds. How do we do that? It starts with this. Forgiveness. You know, back... In medieval times, they used to, they had a, there was a group of people called the alchemists. And they were always looking for a secret formula for a couple of things. One was to turn base metals into gold. And the other one was to have eternal life. Anybody remember your, your history here in America? Ponce de Leon? Anybody remember him? He came looking for the fountain of youth. The fountain of youth. He had it all the time. (laughs) The fountain of youth. Isn't that right? God's spirit, God's word, the fountain of youth. But I want to tell you, if there's anything that could be close to the elixir of life, it is this one thing. Forgiveness. Receiving it and giving it. That's where the healing begins. I said, that's where the healing begins. If you've been wounded in any way, the first thing you need to begin to do on your road to becoming whole and recover is to forgive. Whoever hurt you, whoever wounded you, whoever rejected you. Some people, you know, we talk about this, and I know some people have an issue with it, but I'm talking about the human side. You know, there there are times when we talk about Things from spiritual things from the man side, and then sometimes from the God side, so that we can have understanding. But many people I've found out many people have the reason, especially if they've been battling a debilitating sickness. Now, this is not true in every case. Okay, don't you know? Don't take a statement I make and just try to make a big blanket out of it. Okay, because I've run into that all the time. Because people say, "Well, the reason you haven't received your healing is because you're holding unforgiveness." That ain't necessarily so. It can be so, but it's not a blanket thing. But let me say this. It would be something I would look at and make sure, okay, I've forgiven. I have forgiven. I've forgiven that person. Sometimes we may even, from the manward side, we may even need for our own benefit to forgive God. Not that God did anything wrong, but you know, a lot of times I've had people over the years ask me, that are battling sickness and everything. And, he, you know, they prayed. And, you know, had everybody lay hands on them, anoint them with oil, done everything that they know to do, and it's still there. And, you know, and they begin to get a little miffed with God. Oh, you're so holy in this place. <laughs> you get a little upset with God. Well, you hear Brother Rick. I don't understand why you're going to hear me. Come on. And see, you're gonna, if that's the case, you need to let go of that. You've got to let go of that. Number one, God's not to blame. But number two, in your own mind and heart, you're feeling that way, so you need to remove that barrier. You need to give some understanding. Hey, that's not God. God's not holding back your healing. So forgiveness is where we start. Jesus said, if you forgive. What's gonna to happen to you? You'll be forgiven. But if you withhold forgiveness, what's the Father going to do? Withhold forgiveness from you. Mark 11. Read it over there. We don't have time right now, but Mark 11, read it. About verses 24, 25, right in there. Read it. Jesus said for him, he said when you stand praying, forgive he said, because if you don't forgive, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. Amen. You see, we want God to heal us of rejection. We want God to heal us from the disappointments and the wounds, but yet we keep holding on to unforgiveness, and God has no room to work. He says, let it go. For, you know, let go of it. You ever got, You, ever, you know, especially summertime coming up, you know, I'm always on the lookout for those big wasp nests, especially those big old red wasps. Man, you know the ones I'm talking about. Man, I'll Pop you good. <laughs> you ever got, yeah, I remember one, a time too, I've got stung, and most of the time, you know, it hurts, but every once in a while, you can look, and the stinger's left in there. And did you know a crazy thing about that stinger? If you leave it in there, it'll keep pumping stuff into you. So you want to get the stinger out as quickly as you can if it's in there. And see what happens when we get wounded, when we we feel rejected or disappointed and we won't forgive, the stinger is staying in there and it just keeps pumping in. And I keep getting bitter and bitter and I stay bitter and I pray to God, but yet I stay bitter. I ask God to heal me, but I stay bitter. Listen, pull it out. How do I pull it out? Forgive. The Bible says that the fiery darts of Satan are fiery fired at us and we're to hold up our shield of faith but I have to admit I'm not proud of it but every once in a while I've not held it up as high as I should and when I'm got through now I know that's never happened to you and then the, just like that steam man I'm out working in the yard trying to take care of things and bang you know what we got You got to pull it out. You got to let it go. You got to forgive. You got to put it under the blood. You got to give it to God. You got to say, this is it. I'm tired of drinking bitter waters. In Exodus 15, we won't turn over there, but in verses 23 through 26, you can read it. But Moses had just brought Israel out by the hand of God. They came to a place They'd gone three days with no water to drink. How I many of you know three days in the wilderness with no water to drink? Woo, you got a bunch of irritable people. And they were really irritable. So finally, they find a place where there's uh, water there sufficient, but wouldn't you know it? Oh, buddy. They drink of it. It's unfit to drink, it's bitter. But you know, and I know you know some people who, you know, wounded in life, they said, Yep, that's my that's the story of my life, Pastor. I'm thirsty for I'm so thirsty and everything, and I finally do find some water, and boom, can't drink it. But they were there, couldn't drink it. And it says here, it says that God showed Moses a tree. And he said, Moses, throw the tree into the waters, and the waters will become sweet. Well, listen, there was a tree at Calvary. That tree that Jesus died on, where he shed his blood, where he bore our sicknesses and carried our sins and our shame. And I want to tell you what, if you would just let that tree come back into your well, you know what? Your waters wouldn't be bitter anymore either. And you wouldn't have to drink bitter water anymore. You wouldn't have to live isolated and separated. You wouldn't have to live feeling rejected disappointed and disillusioned and hopeless anymore it could be restored you know Jesus is amazing isn't he listen to this he is a faithful faithful friend you know he's the one that took stones away from the hands of an angry mob he touched and healed lepers he threw homecoming parties for prodigals man you know in the church we want to just excommunicate The father threw a homecoming party. That's what they did. They had a celebration. You remember the older son, you know. I call him a type of the church. He'd come in. Well, what's all this hubbub about? I'm paraphrasing. What in the world are you doing throwing him a party? Don't you know where he's been, what he's done? He granted thieves paradise. He brought encouragement and strength to those who were weary in despair. That's Jesus. That's the Jesus of this book. So how do we get back out there? If you've been wondering, real quickly, I've got to close. First of all, it's going to take some courage. You know what courage is? It's not the absence of fear. It's acting in the face of fear. Even faith, faith is, is acting in the face of fear, of, in the face of circumstances. And it takes courage to put yourself out there when you've been wounded before. Amen. But you know what? If you get, allow God to bring wholeness to you so that you're no longer wounded, you're scarred but not wounded, you know what? It takes courage. You go back out there again. Amen. I'm going to put myself out there again. I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to trust you in this relationship. I'm going to trust you in reaching out to this person. I'm going to forgive, and I'm going to trust you to bring wholeness, not only to my life, but to this relationship, to this marriage, whatever it may be. And then it also takes hope. Hope is seeing beyond the moment. That's my definition, but that's really part of what hope is, isn't it? It's seeing beyond the moment. In this moment, I'm feeling hurt i feel like all i got is bitter waters to drink this is all i have i'm wounded i'm hurt I'm, i feel isolated i feel so alone but it, it, you know hope says you know i can begin to see beyond the moment i can do like the scripture says i can fix my eyes on jesus the author and finisher of my faith i can see him as the one who can bring healing and wholeness to my life to this relationship to my marriage can bring healing to my body I begin to begin to cultivate hope. Seeing beyond the moment that you're in right now. And then finally, love, and love, I put it this way, means what? I have confidence in my future. You know why I have confidence? Because God is love, and love never fails. Love never fails hope, love. Let these things rise up with you this morning. If you're feeling wounded and hurt, discouraged and disappointed, listen, you don't have to drink the bitter waters anymore. But listen, you've got to make a decision. I can't make it for you. God can't make it for you. All we can do is encourage you. Now let me share some things with you this morning, and then we're going to pray. Some action points. I always like to share these with you. This morning, if you are feeling like you're drinking bitter water, you need to admit to yourself and to God that you're wounded. I'm wounded. I'm angry. I'm mad. I feel rejected. I'm discouraged. I'm disappointed. I, I feel hopeless. That You know what? Those are all signs of what? You're wounded. You're wounded. And you need to admit it to yourself, and you need to admit it to God. Not that... God doesn't already know, but there's something very powerful in confession. Isn't that right? Yeah. The scriptures talk about that. When we confess something, we release it, don't we? When we when we go to God, He says, "If you confess your sins, what? Well, in that confession, what? We're releasing them to God, and in return, what do we get? Forgiveness, don't we? And cleanse from all unrighteousness." Secondly, after you admit it, spend time in private prayer and worship before God. Private prayer. In other words, you just just pour out yourself to God. Listen, people get it backwards sometimes. I know there's there's a time and a place where we just share everything with people, but I want to tell you, before you do that, share everything with God. Now, I don't mean to be crude, but I, I want to really make this point. Just get in your prayer closet and just bare your guts to God. Get right down to it. Real. 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 No pretense. Just you and God. You and the Holy Spirit in this book. And get real. Then, if you need to, seek out godly encouragement and counsel. I already mentioned forgive. Forgive forgive, and then get back out there. Get back out there. You know what they tell a, a cowboy when he's bucked off, don't you? Get back on. See, I said it takes courage. But you know, life takes courage, doesn't it? Unless you're going to live a teeny tiny life and try to isolate yourself from everybody and everything, you know, but if you're going to live the life God intended, then you know what? It's going to take courage. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.